for a while in those really early days of motherhood, yeah, it did. A lot of what made me me got squeezed out, but eventually time does start to open up. And I found that I had to get really picky and clear about what I wanted to let back in. I think you realize pretty quickly that motherhood is illuminating. It really casts a light on the things that used to be part of your life and you you can more easily identify what was life-giving and what you did because you have to do it and what is like actively draining. Welcome to the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast, where we bring you real life working mom stories, tips, tricks, and advice for thriving and surviving in motherhood. Because you shouldn't have to experience working motherhood alone. Join our community of support as we discuss all of the things and how we get by in this sometimes crazy and imperfect journey of working motherhood. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast. On this week's episode, I am talking to Brittany Bergman. Brittany is an author who is passionate about telling stories that provide refreshment, connection, and encouragement to mothers who don't want to lose sight of their identity. Her essays on motherhood have been featured in a variety of publications, including Today Parents, Motherly, Coffee and Crumbs, and The Mops Blog. She lives in the suburbs of Chicago with her husband, Dan, and their two children. By day, she's a copy editor of nonfiction books at a publishing house. She just published her first book called Expecting Wonder, which is about the identity level transformation that we all experience as we become mothers. Brittany's goal is to empower moms to embrace their identities and take their next right steps with confidence and intention. So in this episode, I talk to Brittany all about chasing our dreams in the early days of motherhood, as well as seeking fulfillment outside of motherhood. This is absolutely one of my favorite topics to talk about. And the fact that Brittany is also an author, I was super excited to chat with her because I just love reading and I love writing. Talking to authors is kind of a a very exciting thing for me. So this is a really great conversation. So let's just dive right in to the conversation with Brittany so you can hear all about our thoughts on chasing our dreams in motherhood. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, of course. I'm super excited to talk to you today. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and your background, and anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? Sure. So my name is Brittany Bergman. I have been married to my husband, Dan, for seven, oh my gosh, almost eight years. I keep saying almost seven years, but it's been almost eight. My daughter, Selah, is five years old, and I have a son, Eamon, who is one and a half, actually almost two. And we live in the suburbs of Chicago, where both of our families are, and I work as a copy editor at a publishing house. 
early in my career, I was an elementary school teacher, and then I joined staff with an educational organization as an instructional coach. And then I actually made a complete career pivot to publishing, and that was about seven years ago. And so I'm also a writer and an author. I just released my first book called Expecting Wonder. And because I often wonder about the logistics of working motherhood, the very basic logistics for us is that I work 32 hours a week for the publishing house. I'm off on Fridays and that's my day, sort of like a three-day weekend day home with the kids because we don't have childcare on Fridays and my husband's job is pretty demanding. So we found that that's just the right balance for us in terms of having both of us working while also saving a little bit of money on childcare and feeling like I have time to also, because his job is so demanding, I take care of more of the, the home, like all the work around the home life. And so this has proven to be a really good balance for us. Yeah, that sounds great. So I didn't realize you were living in Chicago. I'm actually from Chicago. Oh, yeah, so I live about an hour southwest of the city right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you from originally? I grew up on the south side near sort of Midway Airport. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. where my grandpa lived my whole life. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, right by the way. <laughs> it's a small world. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, and copy editing, that's amazing. Actually, I also... Like go on a tangent here, but I was a communications major in undergrad. And so that's, I wanted to be a journalist when I was younger. Yeah, I can relate to that dream. I took a few journalism classes in college and wondered if that was the right career track for me or not. And then I ended up sort of back in this world anyway, the media, at least much slower media working in books. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I could have survived a newsroom. No, I look back and I'm like, I think that was the right decision. And now I'm doing the podcasting. And it sort of feels like sort of a little bit of, you know, interviewing it's related. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. So awesome. So can you tell us more about your book expecting wonder and how you sort of got the idea to write it? What was your inspiration? And also, is writing a book something you sort of always wanted to do? Yeah, so I would say, yes, writing a book is something I've always wanted to do. Like from the time I was little, I like I remember, I'm doing air quotes right now, publishing a book in second grade for the first time <laughs> and feeling like, oh, I want to do this for real. And, you know, through high school and college, my career track kind of went away from that. I just kind of lost sight of it altogether. And Mm -hmm. then when I made the pivot back into the publishing world, even though I was looking to be an editor, uh, part of that process was that to apply for jobs, I had to submit writing samples. And so I was writing essays, I was writing sort of blog style posts, and that all led me to then launch my blog around the same time. And it kind of rekindled that dream for me. And so I wasn't sure Mm -hmm. if it would happen even then, but I'm really, yeah, I'm proud of it. And it does feel like a lifelong dream. So I got the idea for this book because it's the book that I wish I had had when I was trying to conceive and sort of in early pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I really quickly became tired of the what to expect type books. It felt like they, like they, they serve a purpose and I think they can be incredibly helpful. But for me personally, it felt like they treated me as a medical condition and mm-hmm. not as this woman who was going through a huge life and identity change. And in many ways, they increased my anxiety, which was already high. 
and made me feel like I was doing pregnancy wrong. I was eating the right foods. I wasn't gaining the right amount of weight in Mm -hmm. the right amount of time. I wasn't checking off this trimester by trimester to-do list that seemed to only ever get longer, no matter how much I got done. But what I really wanted in that time of transition and uncertainty and even some fear was stories to give language to all these complicated things I was feeling. In pregnancy, sometimes it feels like culture expects women to feel one or two things. We can be joyful or grateful or both. And even though I was totally in awe of what was happening, my pregnancy was joyful and planned for and uncomplicated, but still like it's a huge life transition. And alongside the joy, I felt sorrow and fear and even some grief. Mm -hmm. as I wondered what it would be like to leave this version of myself behind this, my -hmm. life as I knew it behind. And I wanted to read something that would be like a friend or an older sister who could say, I've been there and I have felt what you're feeling and that's normal. And this is how I navigated it. So I wanted to offer those stories to somebody else who might be feeling the same way that I did. So I just started taking notes on everything I felt and experienced and wondered about during pregnancy. And I didn't put any pressure on myself to make sense of those notes as I was living through it. I revisited sort of the experiences that I wrote down several years later with a, you know, some perspective and some hindsight and just kind of started crafting essays that eventually became the book Expecting Wonder. Yeah, that's amazing. And I definitely understand when you say, yeah, some of the books, they're good for practical advice or for the medical side, but then they don't go into in depth on other things. Like how do you deal with your emotions and your mental health and like all of those other transitions that happen? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's amazing that you're able to just put your experiences into a book to help other moms. Oh, thanks. It was such a joy to write and such a joy to, yeah, press it into the hands of other women. Yeah, for sure. So I always ask this question because it's just fresh in our minds. How did 2020 go for you? And what were your takeaways, especially related to managing your career and your family life? Oh my gosh, 2020. <laughs> oh, it was it was such a surprise, wasn't it? <laughs> so, we actually lost our childcare in December of 2019. My son, we actually never had childcare for my son. I had him in May of 2019, and we were planning to put him in childcare when he was about 6 months old, and then our spot was given away at our daycare, and then that daycare actually closed at Christmas that year. So we were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And so we were basically doing both of us working at home or not working at home, both my husband and I working full time, not having any childcare. And so we were already running on fumes when March 2020 happened and everything shut down. We had Mm -hmm. found a new center, but it wasn't open yet. And so they delayed that. And so we were like, oh my gosh, we're already barely hanging on. And how long is this going to last? And so I'd say we spent much of 2020 in survival mode, not just figuring out the dynamics of working at home. Suddenly, we also didn't have our families for support because for many months, we weren't comfortable seeing them. Right. I had to figure out pandemic life. And then it was also not how I envisioned the year of my book launch going because there's a lot of extra work in like the months leading up to the launch and the months after the launch. And I just assumed that I would have childcare and I would have my lunch breaks to myself. And instead, I found myself 
cobbling together all the spare hours that I could find just to do my day job. And our childcare center ended up opening in August, just after the book launch. And that has helped infinitely since Mm -hmm. then. The kids go three days a week. But I would say, despite how many ways I didn't handle 2020 well, I think I got really overwhelmed by the pain and the trauma at times. And there are many moments when I wasn't the mom or the person I wanted to be, just to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I am surprised at how, when it really mattered, whether it was with my family or my work or my creativity or whatever, I was able to put my head down and do the work. And so I actually adopted a couple of mantras that helped me through both like the everyday hard moments and the really, really difficult hard moments. So the things that kind of helped me through are saying over and over to myself, I'm doing the best I can with the tools and resources I have and recognizing that those tools and resources were more limited than ever been before. Yeah. Um, Also (laughs) telling myself I can only do what I can do. And right now my capacity is limited. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then another one is it won't always be like this, which is my favorite mantra for mothering because it's applicable to so many things. (laughs) But especially I think for 2020, when sometimes it feels like, oh, it's just going to be like this forever. It helped me kind of pull myself out of that and say, maybe this is going to be longer than we expected, but it absolutely is not forever. For sure. Yeah. I love that you said that because actually I remember back to like my baby shower and people wrote personal notes in sort of like a book that I had there for just to remember the day by. And my aunt said something in there like this too shall pass. And I always remember that. I'm like, yes, that is like the best piece of advice you could ever give. (laughs) Absolutely. And sometimes it's so hard to believe it when you don't have proof points yet. Like yeah. <laughs> first year with a baby, I'm like, what do you mean this is going to pass? Like, no, it is just <laughs> relentless the amount of information you take in and how quickly they change and how it gets easier and then it gets harder and then it's easier and then it's harder. But I mm-hmm. feel like after that first year, you've kind of got the experience under your belt to say, okay, everything really does pass. Yes, for sure. And as the years go on, you do find obviously different challenges with each age group. But yeah, it does pass and it gets better. And mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely. So transitioning a little bit, I wanted to talk to you about moms who are sort of chasing their dreams and seeking fulfillment outside of motherhood. So I guess Was there a moment that you sort of realized you needed to pursue a bigger dream, you know, fulfill something outside of motherhood? And can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I don't think there was a particular like crystallizing moment for me. Yeah, I can't remember a particular crystallizing moment, but I think I always knew that I would need to seek fulfillment outside of motherhood. I've always been really ambitious in my career and in my creative life. And I also, sometimes because of that, I didn't always want to be a mom. I wasn't sure if I would like it. I wasn't sure if I was cut out for it. I thought, you know, for most of my life that I would just pursue work and maybe marriage someday, but I just didn't think that motherhood would be in my future. And eventually I did change my mind. Like I didn't get pregnant by surprise. My husband and I had decided to have kids, but I think because it was never one of my big dreams or big ambitions to have kids or to be a mom, I also knew on some level that I wouldn't be fulfilled by it. 
And I think that's a neutral statement to me. I don't mean that anyone oh, yeah. who has dreamed of being a mom all their life. That's amazing. And sometimes I wish I were more like that or that I had been more like that because I think that is yeah. so beautiful. It just wasn't my reality. And so I knew that I would need some tethers to life outside of motherhood. But I definitely had some panicked moments during pregnancy because it's like, I was thinking, oh my goodness, my life is already so full of things that I love and things that I care about and enjoy. And babies are all consuming. Is everything going to get squeezed out? Like, how am I going to make room for these tethers? And for a while in those really early days of motherhood, yeah, it did. A lot of what made me me got squeezed out, but eventually time does start to open up. And I found that I had to get really picky and clear about what I wanted to let back in. I think you realize pretty quickly that motherhood is illuminating. It really casts a light on the things that used to be part of your life. And you can more easily identify what was life-giving and what you did because you have to do it and what is like actively draining. And I know that it actually made me more decisive and stronger in figuring out what I wanted to have continue to be a part of my life. And so for me at the time, I wanted to bring writing and my creative life back into, you know, it was always a piece of my identity, but I wanted it to become a more active part of my day and my week, probably like around three or four months after having my first baby. And I took a really similar sort of break when I had my son, where I just, I need some time to fully submerge into the change. And as I emerge from that, I can figure out like, okay, what do I want to bring back into my life? What do I need to sort of retether and reconnect in my own life? So mm-hmm. I feel like writing and creativity for me kept, kept me connected to a really deep part of my soul and allowed me to survive on the days when it felt like motherhood would swallow me whole because I think, you know, motherhood doesn't have great measures of success. And I'm somebody who really thrives on tangible outcome (laughs) and, you know, reaching the next milestone and making progress to a goal. And motherhood is the longest long game (laughs) there is. And it can take years and even lifetimes to see the fruit of this work. Mm -hmm. And so allowing myself to have, instead of trying to force motherhood into a mold and make it measurable, like it, it wouldn't be a great move. And so instead, I had to make other things in my life measurable. And so yeah, for me, again, that was my writing and my creativity and even my work at the publishing house. And I also just love that chasing my dreams, even in early motherhood, really set an example for my daughter of a woman who is going after what she wanted, never at the expense of my family, but for the flourishing of myself and therefore the flourishing of my family. Yeah, I love everything you just said right there. And yes, isn't motherhood just a roller coaster of everything? Mm -hmm. Like one moment you can feel, okay, I've got this. And then the next moment you're like, wait a second, what just happened? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) So yeah, I just love that you brought up everything about, you know, not really being sure about being a mother. I felt the same way in the past. I never really took to that kind of natural mothering sort of instinct, I guess you would say, like when I was younger, you know, people would have babies and kind of be like, okay, it's a new baby. I'm not that interested. 
(laughs) (laughs) I definitely relate to that. Yeah. So I think it's important to bring up because it doesn't mean that we sort of, we don't love our kids or we don't love, you know, the motherhood we've created for ourselves, but I think everyone doesn't enter it sort of, as you said, more eloquently, everyone doesn't enter motherhood feeling like this is their biggest dream that they have to do. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think it's really good to just talk about and put out there because I know more moms do feel that way. So totally. And coming to terms with sort of what we expected from motherhood, I think is so good and healthy, whether you always wanted to be a mom or you didn't, I think examining what sort of expectations we're bringing into this really big change Mm -hmm. is so helpful because I don't know a single woman who became a mom and didn't experience some measure of disappointment or mismatched expectations. Mm -hmm. And that can manifest, you know, as anger or sadness or unexplained grief. And so if we know what our expectations are going in, it's so much easier to figure out where those hard feelings are coming from. And it, Mm -hmm. it just moves us ahead in processing all of that in a healthy way instead of sort of letting it leak out of us in maybe unproductive ways. Yeah, for sure. So Brittany, why do you think it is so hard after we become moms to continue pursuing our dreams we had before we were moms? Hi, mamas. I wanted to tell you about the course I am going to be launching. So this course is the Working Mom Collective Business Launchpad. And this is for you if you're looking for an actionable plan to build your online business. And that's whether you want to build a side hustle an online business to replace your day job, or maybe you're a mom who's currently not working for any number of reasons. Maybe you left your job in the middle of the pandemic or something else like that. And you really want to build a plan for an online business that is straightforward and will take you from your idea to an actual action plan for moving forward. So this course is for all the moms out there who are wanting to do something more, who have a bigger dream in their hearts. And in the course, I'm teaching you my specific method for setting up your business for success online. So if you're tired of spending your evenings, weekends, and middle of the night insomniac sessions, Googling your way to business success, then you are going to love the actionable steps you will walk away from with this course. I'm going to share with you how you can go from an idea to an action plan when it comes to starting an online business. So if you're ready to create a flexible business that aligns with your goals, dreams, and your desire to be present for your family, then sign up for the waitlist today. For more details and to get on the list to be the first to know when it opens, go to theworkingmomcollective.com slash purpose. That is theworkingmomcollective.com 
slash purpose. And you can sign up with your email to be the first to know when the business launch pad is available for you to join. And so I really would recommend getting on this launch list because I'm going to be sending out some freebies and some uh, special bonuses and a special discount for the people that join the wait list. So again, you can go to the workingmomcollective.com slash purpose to sign up and to find all of the other details about the course. Hope to see you on the inside, mamas. I think there's three things here, time, energy, and culture. And the time and energy are just a given, right? Like good grief, children require (laughs) so much time and energy and not like physical energy, creative energy, emotional energy, all of the things that we need to bring to literally anything else that we want to do with our time. So like if the energy exists, but not the time to do something outside of motherhood, it's not going to work. If the time exists, but not the energy, I don't remember which one I said first, but like if you have one, but not the other, it's impossible to sort of make the space that's required to pursue our dreams. But I think even when the time and the energy does exist or could exist, you know, we have the ability to carve it out for ourselves. I think culture is the strongest force underpinning why we may or may not then pursue our dreams. You know, culture Mm -hmm. says to us, should I use my time and energy this way? Shouldn't I be spending all my extra time and energy on my kids? Isn't that what good moms do? But we don't often stop to think about what the benefits are for ourselves and by extension for our our children and our families. If we do chase that dream, if we do use our time and energy in a way that helps us to live more wholeheartedly into all the different pieces of our identity, right? Like if I put all my chips in terms of time and energy into my children, like I said, that can sometimes be really thankless work. It's hard work. It's work that we don't see the fruit of for a very long time. And that can be incredibly discouraging. And for me personally, sometimes it can breed resentment. And then I'm not getting any sort of, and my kids aren't getting any sort of benefit for my extra time and energy spent on actively trying to be a better parent. Like, yes, I am always trying to be a better parent. I'm usually reading a parenting book or following someone on Instagram and trying to get better at self-regulation for the sake Mm -hmm. of my kids. Like I never put that aside entirely, but putting all of my extra time and energy into that also doesn't serve me or my kids well all the time. And so by taking some of that and channeling it towards something that makes me feel more like myself, that like a true form of self-care, not just like, you know, the taking bubble baths or getting manicures, but something (laughs) that actually does like fulfill this helps me to, yeah, really live into who I am outside of motherhood. That then fills me instead of with resentment, with feelings of fulfillment and groundedness and wholeheartedness. And at the same time, not every dream is meant to be chased at every given time. Mm -hmm. It's okay not to chase dreams in early motherhood. But I think it all starts with asking ourselves and being honest about this dream that I want to pursue. Will this divide me? Or will it make me a more wholehearted person, a more wholehearted and grounded version of myself? And sometimes it's hard to know that until we just give it a try. 
And I think also giving ourselves the freedom to pivot is so important when something maybe stops being the right fit. It's not all or nothing all the time. We have a measure of flexibility and the ability to to change course or make new decisions based on sort of the data that we're receiving as Mm -hmm. we pursue one thing or another. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned that because it seems that we often do think, well, you know, I I put all of this time and effort, like, for example, like into getting this degree or into doing this training program or through going through this coaching. But now I'm not sure that this is even right for me. So but I have to keep with it because I put all that time into it, right? I think often we just get hung up in that. Like we, yes, we put time into it, but it's okay, like you said, to realize that maybe it's evolving into something different that we're not even sure yet what that is, but we kind of just have to stick with it and just go with the flow, even though that's hard. I know it's hard for especially like type A personalities who want to be super organized and, you know, know all of the steps ahead of them. But yeah, sometimes it's okay to just see where that path takes you. Oh, I completely agree. And I really struggle with that because I find myself at, you know, not in a career that I studied for in college. And, you know, in so many other ways. Like life doesn't always look the way I thought it, the way that I prepared for it to look, but that doesn't mean that the time we spent doing whatever it is, like you said, it's not time wasted because we often forget how that particular course of events may have served us Mm -hmm. in that moment. Like if I walked away from writing today, that doesn't make it a waste because it served me so beautifully for the five or six years. I'm not walking away from writing, but like it still, it still served me and I still grew as a person and I still gained skills. Mm -hmm. So it served me at that time and it will continue to serve even as we evolve away from, yeah, what we thought it might look like into the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think the same thing often. So I transitioned out of a corporate job last year into doing online business full-time. And, you know, I had moments where I'm like, did I just waste you know, like the past 10 years of my life, but then I have to really stop myself and say, no, like if you didn't do that, you probably wouldn't be here because all the struggles I went through is why I formed like my working mom resources and my working mom podcast, you know? So if I didn't go through all of that, I probably would not be here right now. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. My head is about to like come off my neck. I am nodding (laughs) so enthusiastically with that. Yeah. So awesome. So what I guess is something that moms listening can start doing today, just something small to move towards, you know, their, either their dream or just their own idea of success. So often, I think we define success externally, like what other people think our success should be, right? So what is something they can do to start moving toward really what they want instead? I agree that it starts with defining the your own idea of success and happiness from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. What is success and happiness to you? And then really play it out like alongside your dream. You know, what happens if this dream you're about to pursue, what if it's mildly successful? What if it's moderately or like wildly successful? Mm-hmm. Do you have examples of people sort of like in your field or in your, you know, whatever area your dream is in? 
who is wildly successful and do you want their life? What does life look like at each of these levels of success, you know, externally and internally? And are you okay with each of those visions? I think sometimes we forget to play out what it could look like, you know, with varying levels of success, maybe three, five, 10 years in the future, and really thinking, is this actually what I want? Mm -hmm. And then if it's like, yes, I'm ready to move forward. This is what I want. Take it one step at a time. When I decided that I wanted to try to write a book, I got just paralyzed thinking about the intensity and the length of that process. I had never undertaken a project that large before, like a whole book. I was publishing, you know, essays on my blog once a week or once every other week, but like, oh my gosh, a book. I knew that the process would be like a three to five year commitment from drafting through, you know, sort of the first year of the book's life once it was released. And I had a two-year-old, maybe she was three at the time. I knew I wanted another baby. I didn't know what my life would look like over that time. And I just got so overwhelmed in the planning for the timing of it and whether I could or couldn't do it. And my husband is very much like a easygoing, optimistic, let's just see what happens kind of person. And he was such a good balance for me in that to say like, just take it one step at a time. Yeah. And we can reevaluate and figure it out as we go. You don't need to know everything right now. So I did. I just did the next step. I pulled out my pregnancy notes and I drafted some chapter ideas. I wrote a few sample essays. And then as I found that like, okay, yeah, I am finding the time for this. I am finding the energy for this. This is fulfilling me in, in a way that overflows into the other areas of my life. I feel good about continuing. And then I would take the next step. I wrote a proposal. That felt really good. And then I shopped it around and got a contract. And that took the most amount of thought and intention because I was indeed pregnant at that time. I was 20 weeks pregnant with my second baby, which felt like, okay, this is the timing that I was worried about. What do I do? And so I just kept telling myself that, you know, the book contract was different because then I didn't have an out anymore. I was under contract. But up until that point, we can always stop if it doesn't feel right anymore. So I think my biggest piece of advice there is just take one step and then evaluate, take another mm -hmm. step and then evaluate. And it is perfectly okay to keep going. And it's perfectly okay not to. Yeah, I think that's so important for people to hear. Because like you said, we often can just get overwhelmed in thinking about the entire process before we even start, right? Yep. So, and I also love that you said your husband gave you that advice and just was more upbeat about it. My husband's the same exact way. Like he'll, <laughs> he's the one to ground me and to be like, Hey, listen, just take it a step at a time. Just stop being like, not stop being overwhelmed, but just like really, you know, take a step back and just take a deep breath. And yeah, he's always the optimist in, in our relationship too. <laughs> yes. Sometimes it grates on me. And also it is unbelievably helpful to not be married <laughs> to somebody who is just like me. Yes, for sure. I think we all ended up with someone for a reason, right? Someone yeah, that com compliments yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Awesome. So I guess what other advice and it could be anything at all, Brittany, but any other advice you would want to share with moms today? 
Yes. I think especially right now, I just want to let moms know that they are not alone and they are not failing. This whole marriage, family, work, self-care balance, especially in the midst of an ongoing global pandemic when we are all sort of at the end of ourselves already, and yet we have to get up and do it again for another day. Mm -hmm. It's not hard because you're doing it wrong. It's not hard because of some moral failure or like some missing characteristic. It's just hard because it's hard. And I think telling yourself that over and over and over is such a wonderful act of Mm self-compassion. This is not hard because I'm bad at it. This is not hard because I'm doing something wrong. It's hard because it's hard. And I think one of the biggest struggles that I experience, and I'm sure others do, is the guilt and the feeling of, everybody else is doing it well. This is coming so much easier to other people. This isn't coming easy to me. So I'm not a good mom. And of course, I mean, we kind of throw social media under the bus a lot. Like we all know it's a highlight (laughs) reel, blah, blah, blah. But one thing that I think I heard this on a podcast years ago, and it blew my mind is that we don't just see social media as the highlight reel for the hundreds of people that we follow. As we scroll our brains take in the information and then literally create amalgamation. Like Mm -hmm. all the things that we see, we assume that like we sort of create this archetype for a mom and assume Mm -hmm. that everyone is doing all the things that we see. So Mm -hmm. it's not just like, oh, I see Lindsay being so good at this. I wish I was good at this. And oh, I see my friend Ashley being so good at this. And I wish I were doing better with that. We actually sort of create this super mom in our heads that has all the characteristics that we see represented on social media. And I think remembering that can help us to reject the idea that everyone is doing everything well all the time, except for us. Mm. And I think that just brings us back to a place of leaning into our personality as a mom, our personalities as women, and also our core values and not feeling the pressure to be the Pinterest mom and the activity mom and the cozy mom and the fun mom and the hyper-scheduled mom. And, you know, it's like, yeah, (laughs) pick one, pick the one that is most natural and fun for you and good for your family life and lean into it as much as you have the time and energy for. Give yourself grace when you don't have the time and energy and for all the other areas that just aren't part of who you are as a mom. That's okay. So I think just knowing ourselves well and rejecting the lie that we have to be all the things all the time to everyone. Yeah, for sure. And I pretty much just took like a deep sigh when you said that because it's just we put so much pressure on ourselves sometimes to be all of those things. And I think it's important for moms to realize that they don't have to be all those things like you just said. And yeah, and I think also just living through the pandemic and being at home more, I think a lot of us maybe did come to realize like what we are better at, what we do foster more of in our homes and what we can kind of stand for, right? Mm, Yes, absolutely. Yes, I love everything you've said. And I probably could talk like for hours upon hours about all of these topics. You know, our passions, our dreams, and our different ways of being mothers and our families and everything. It's just, I love talking about all of this. Oh, I do too. It's been such a fun conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. And so I just have 
a couple more questions for you, Brittany. And it's sort of like a lightning round that I go through with every guest. Yes, I love a good lightning round. Let's do it. <laughs> so what is something that you'd consider to be your non-negotiable practice you have to do every day so you can start or end your day on a positive note? Yes. To start the day, getting up before my kids. And mm-hmm. I can do anything with that time, really. It doesn't matter. I can read or write or watch TV or just stare into space. But having like 20 to 30 minutes of quiet time with my hot coffee makes a huge difference in how I feel about my kids when they wake up and (laughs) our day. And I've heard this described as waking up for your day instead of to your day. Like it's just, it sets me on a different track to wake up for my day and have that minute to breathe rather than like waking up to the sound of screeching children. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Waking up for your day instead of to your day. I'll have to take note of that. Yeah. It's so it helps me a lot. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. Just having that little bit of time to yourself in the morning is so important. Mm -hmm. Or even at night, like mom listening out there doesn't have time in the morning, just do it at night then. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I think that also totally depends on like personality type and temperament, right? Like if you're not a morning person, that's probably not going to be for sure giving to you. So, and then at night, I always try to do at least five minutes of reading in bed before I fall asleep. If I didn't read anything else that day, at least I got my five minutes before bed. I love that. Yeah. So Brittany, what is your favorite working mom hack that would get you through a hectic or difficult day? The McDonald's drive through that's right across the parking lot from daycare. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's like my nuclear option. I try not to pull that lever too often, but like, man, the window between daycare pickup and bedtime is so short. Yeah. It's like sometimes, man, McDonald's is a godsend. So. Oh yeah. Totally understandable. Yep. We have those days too. <laughs> <laughs> so who would be your favorite either podcasters, bloggers, authors, writers, or other experts that have influenced you? Yeah, so I am currently parenting a child who has very, very big feelings. That's my five-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. And so I follow a lot of parenting people on Instagram. I think Dr. Becky at home is my favorite Instagram follow. She literally provides like these short two to three minute videos where she like gives you the script that you can use with you know, a meltdown or a transition Mm -hmm. or like all these different moments that I didn't realize, oh my gosh, yeah, that comes with so much tension. Mm -hmm. And having somebody tell me what to say is incredibly helpful. And along those lines, I love following Big Little Feelings and Our Mama Village. On a similar note, I love the Failing Motherhood podcast with Danielle Bettman. She's also a great parenting follow. She does, I think her coaching practice is called Parenting Wholeheartedly. Okay. Um, And so she's a great person to follow too. And just for fun, I love the sort of awesome podcast with Meg Teets because like, it's just a show that like I can shut off sort of the mom part of my brain and it just feels like I am talking or at least listening in on a conversation with (laughs) some of my favorite girlfriends every week. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's so important to have those types of outlets. Yeah, that we can just sort of be ourselves or, you know, feel like we're having an adult conversation. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Awesome. So where can we find you online, Brittany? Where do you hang out the most often and all that good stuff? Yeah, hang out the most often on Instagram. You can find me there at Brittany L. Bergman. 
My website is BrittanyLBergman.com. It's a little bit dusty right now, but everything, basically everything I've ever written is there. And you can also go there to join my email list. I send out a weekly email called Armchair Chats, which is inspired by my actual living room chairs. And so I sort of, I write these emails thinking about what I would tell you if we were sitting in my living room having coffee that week. And so I can send you a link for the show notes. But if anybody wants to sign up for the email list, they can also then receive a sampler of essays from Expecting Wonder. And so Expecting Wonder is available at major online retailers like Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, and bookshop.org, which is my personal favorite because it's a great way to support your local indie bookstore. Yes, I love bookshop.org. I have been um, looking into them lately. I I love that option as well. So yeah, and I'll also put all of the links in the show notes so all the listeners can navigate over to all those goodies and follow you and also get your book if they're interested in that, which I would highly recommend checking out. Thank you so much for having me and for this really life-giving conversation. It it even like it really pushed my thinking and I feel like every time I talk about working motherhood, I just yeah, I come away with something new. And so I appreciate your time and for sharing your space with me today. Yes, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the show. I truly appreciate you taking the time too. I know us busy working moms, it's hard to find the time to do extra things, right? So I just appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your story. And I totally agree. Every conversation that I've had on this podcast has made me learn something new too. So I truly appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. It was a joy to be here. Yes, thank you so much, Brittany. You have a great day. You too. Thank you. I would be so, so grateful if you went and left a rating and review of the podcast. So Apple loves it when you rate and review the podcast that you love listening to. And it would just mean the world to me if you went over and left a rating and review for the podcast. So that way our show can be introduced to more working moms that really, really can gain positivity from these episodes that can teach them something. So if you go and leave a rating and review, I would be so grateful and just thank you again for continuing to listen every week. You are the reason why I continue to talk into this microphone for this podcast. Without you, I would have the podcast. So thank you so much.